0: you almost have to use you you have to start him right have to have to (laughs) i mean come on he's in my lineup right now as we speak pat how did you know this i didn't even tell you this off mic are we
1: sleeping on the toronto argonauts should we be putting more of these players in our lineups each and every week welcome to the cfl fantasy podcast presented by leo vegas as we get set for week 15 action in the cfl you know the week 15 edition is on the air cflfantasy.tsn.ca is the website go set your lineup for week 15 as we continue finding out who's going to win that great cup package unique championship ring trip for two to calgary and of course tickets to the big game so This week on the week 15 edition of the podcast, a new look offense for Mike Rowley and the BC Lions. What would the Eskimos look like? Maybe what will the Eskimos look like without Trevor Harris? Vernon Adams Jr. keeps on getting it done for Montreal. And speaking of the Argos... Defensively, are they the matchup to pick on this week? Are Reggie Bagleton and Eric Rogers primed for another huge, huge game? We're talking about all of that on the Week 15 edition of the podcast. My name is Pat Steinberg, alongside Hannah Nordman and Jeff Creever.
0: But Jeff, are we sleeping on the Toronto Argonauts right now? I think we just might be a little bit. Good to be back with the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Double headers both nights and. Uh, after quite a few teams run the bye last week. That's right. Don't forget about the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Just one of those players from the Argos picked inside the top 30 this week. I was very surprised when I looked at the early pick trends for the week. It's Rodney Smith, the receiver, who's still at a pretty good price. Not not terrible value there, hovering at around that $5,000 mark. Uh, And out of that top 30, he's 29th. So... Yeah, nobody's looking at the Argos in that matchup against the Stamps. Uh, against a pretty good Calgary offense. Uh, could be a high-scoring game. The Argos offense, by the way, ranked third in the CFL if you're going by yards alone. Do these guys deserve a little bit more respect and fantasy this week? What do you, Pat, Hannah, what do you guys think?
2: I think they did, but I'm, I'm missing the value here. When you describe a guy as not terrible value-wise, that's not great. I think we were sleeping on them for the past... I don't know, six or eight weeks, but people have gotten wise and the prices are high. Macbeth is less than $1,000 from being the most pricey quarterback in the game. Darrell Walker is fourth among receivers and James Wilder's second for running back. So like these guys aren't cheap. I know they're putting up totals, but they are pricey.
1: I look more a little, little further down the depth chart when it comes to fantasy. Like, yeah. Bethel Thompson, really expensive for a quarterback. Darrell Walker is almost $9,400, and yeah, James Wilder is still really... But what about what about the value you might be able to get in a guy like S.J. Green, who's really started to come on for our standpoint? I still think that Armonte Edwards is the type of guy that can bust out a big game every once in a while. Like, I do think there's some value. I just don't think it's with the biggest name guys on the Argos. And, and look... McLeod Bethel-Thompson does deserve to be the $10,000 quarterback right now because he's been one of the most consistent quarterbacks over the last five or six weeks. I mean, this guy has put up 20 or more points in four of his last five outings and his lowest total in there is 21 and a half against a very good Hamilton team. So this is, it's not like McLeod Bethel Thompson's not giving you return on his high price. It's not the same value that you're getting elsewhere, but if you really believe that money should be allocated to a quarterback, well then, in our, in our game, the money is being spent properly for a guy like McLeod Bethel Thompson. So I, I, uh, I, I'm I liking a few of the Argos plays. Now, I don't know if I love them this week against the Stampeders just because it is a, a difficult matchup against a defense that is trending in a very scary direction. But I do think from a larger standpoint or a bigger picture standpoint, maybe we have been sleeping on some of these guys.
0: Dane Evans did have some success with the Ticats as a quarterback last week against the Stamps. Uh, He's Red hot. We'll talk about him more uh, later on. Braylon Addison, pretty good game. Brandon Banks, pretty good game. I mean, it's not like the Stamps uh, are completely stifling opponents from a fantasy perspective. Uh, We're just not seeing a ton of points there. Uh, Speaking of points, that's one thing the Argos have been doing as an offense, and I feel like that's something that is a little bit under the table as far as Okay, the Argos have won two games this season. Uh, They're probably not going to the playoffs. Uh, They had a disastrous start. A big part of that, though, has been the turnovers and the sacks. Yeah, if you're talking about their offense as a whole, it hasn't been great. If you're talking about their offense from a fantasy perspective, it's actually been among the most productive the most productive offenses CFL-wide. You talked about McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Let me just quickly read his totals uh, from his last five starts. 24.6, 22.8, 28, 19.8, 30.1. Aside from a 1.6-point performance, which was the one time I've taken him this year, (laughs) uh, coincidentally, yes, I'm pretty cursed from a fantasy perspective this season. I couldn't do that if I tried uh, again. But he's been really solid this year Uh, and and as he goes so go the rest of those receivers for the most part so I I do think especially if you're trying to make a little bit of ground in the standings you're trying to go contrarian uh, you're talking about one player landing in that top 30 yeah I, I think it's not a bad strategy to get a few of those Argos in your lineup this week
2: but which ones Jeff because obviously you can't fit two of the highest priced guys in
0: Well, James Wilder for me is is not a is a non starting point right now. I mean, it's just too much money and there's too much uncertainty. Yes, he's been productive, uh, but most of that has come in the passing game. And and I just, for me, uh, there's better bang for your bucket running back. But I like McLeod Bethel-Thompson. He's going to throw the ball a lot and I like those receivers because you're talking about a a high volume attack with a lot of passing attempts. So I like Rodney Smith. Uh, I like what Pat said about S.J. Green and I don't even mind Darrell Walker because he's getting a lot of targets. Uh, they're, They're finding ways to get the ball in his hands, even if he's got a tough matchup against Trey Roberson so I look what the Argos did the last time against the Stamps a lot of completions for McLeod Bethel Thompson short passes Uh, that goes well in a PPR format Uh, so uh, I'm thinking that McLeod uh, Rodney Smith uh, that duo to me uh, is probably where I'm looking if I'm looking at the Argos this week
1: Argos and Stampeders kick off Week 15 in the CFL on Friday night in Toronto. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how McLeod Bethel-Thompson and that crew goes against a Stampeders team looking for their fourth straight win. Okay, let's take a look back at what happened in Week 14. Only three games for you, but no shortage of scoring. And here's something you haven't heard in a while: Mike Riley led the week in scoring, 30 and a half points versus Ottawa in a. Big offensive breakout game for the Lions. Lamar Durant and Brian Burnham also had strong outings with 19 and 18 and a half, respectively. William Powell found the end zone twice in a Riders win. He gave fantasy players 27 points, followed closely by teammate and quarterback Cody Fajardo at 25. Alouettes receiver Eugene Lewis led all pass catches with 27 points. Brandon Banks, Eric Rogers, and Braylon Addison also went over 20. Some disappointments, as always Shaq Johnson, big goose egg, R.J. Harris, Terry. Williams, Kyron Moore, Manny Arsenault were all held to seven points or less.
0: I think the three of us deserve a little bit of a pat on the back because we've been remarkably consistent the last couple of weeks. Just uh, we were all pretty close last week and this week only seven points separating the three of us. I had 99 points. Uh, and I'm still in last as, as far as the whole season goes between the three of us. Uh, but Hannah with 103 points and Pat with 106. That's that's pretty solid uh, in a six-team week with not a ton of really high scores. So, uh, by the way, you can play along with the three of us in the, our CFL Fantasy Podcast League. It's public. Uh, join up, compete against me, uh, Pat Steinberg, Hannah Norbin. Pat leading our little trio with... 1,324 points, uh, and Hannah's just a little bit behind uh, at 1,303 points. I'm about I'm about 100 back of Pat at this point, so I've got some catching up to do to get back with Pat and Hannah, but still working on it. Um, it looks like we may have a runaway winner on the global leaderboard. Western Willie keeps pulling away. He's opened up a 60-point lead in the top spot after a 118-point week. Remarkable consistency from Western Willie. Really big week from Mike Riley for him, uh, Eric Rogers, and the BC Lions defense. Let's turn it over to Hannah for this week's Fantasy Flash. We got a lot of news, including. What's going to happen with the Edmonton Eskimos at quarterback?
2: Yeah, lots of news. Stampeders receiver Reggie Begleton has yet to practice this week due to soreness. The Stampeders still hope Begleton can play, but if not, Aaron Peck and Danny Braverman are candidates to take his place. Injured Eskimos quarterback Trevor Harris returned to practice on Wednesday. Head coach Jason Moss said Harris will be reevaluated, and a decision will be made on Thursday on who starts Friday night versus Hamilton. Ticats receiver Luke Tasker has been a participant at practice this week. According to Orlando Steinauer, however, he remains questionable for Friday night. Coach Steinauer also said that recently signed Tyrell Sutton continues to pick up the offense but wouldn't declare a starter. Jackson Bennett and Anthony Coombs are also in the mix. Matt Nichols has yet to return to practice for the Bombers, but they will have some reinforcements this week. Lucky Whitehead returns from injury while Andrew Harris is back after serving his two game suspension. Running back Jeremiah Johnson is ready to return from the injury that sidelined him in week 14. Head coach Kahari Jones, meanwhile, says that Quan Bray will continue to handle punt return duties. And in Ottawa, the struggling Red Blacks should have some help this week. Brad Sinopoli, Caleb Holly, and Devonte Dedman are all back at practice. Jerminic Smith returns to the practice roster.
0: For the second week in a row, Kadim Carey and Brandon Rutley, the two most picked players, uh, looking at the pick trends, Caught, caught me by surprise a little bit. I'm not surprised about Brandon Rutley, more so for Kadim Carey. Uh, we've hyped him up a lot on this show. We really like Kadim Carey. I, I really like Kadim Carey. But under 18 points combined over the last two games, averaging 3.3 yards per carry over that span. The Stamps, they've struggled to run the football most of the season. Is he being overplayed a little bit at this point? It's tough to say he
1: has been just because that price tag remains so attractive. Like, I, I get it. When you're getting a running back who is on top of the depth chart, and and let's be honest, I don't I don't know if that's going to change at any point this season. I'm not sure what Don Jackson's future is with the Stampeders at this point. I'm not sure if we're going to see him get back into any games unless injuries come into it. But it's it's not like Kadim Carey's been poor. It's just that they haven't used the running game a whole lot. Bolivie Mitchell threw the ball 40 times against Hamilton, and Kadim Carey only touched it nine times. So. You know, you get nine carries, 42 yards, you extrapolate that a little bit more and and that's a, you know, double the workload and he's had himself a pretty good game. So I, I don't think it's the fact that Kerry hasn't been very good or even that the Stampeders haven't ran the ball very well. It's that, you know, especially that game against Hamilton, that was a very pass heavy game. So I still think Kerry is a viable play going up against an Argos defense that is still susceptible and to get him at under $5,400, that's, that's a really attractive price for me. So I get it. Is, is he being overplayed? I mean, I don't think so because I, he's, a, he's almost a lock for me in my lineup this week because to get a top of the depth chart running back at that price is just too attractive not to jump on.
2: Yeah, I don't really get the confusion either. He's been in my lineup at least, yeah, the last three weeks In a row, and you cherry pick it a little bit when you say 18 points combined the last two games. He's been double digits to the last three, and I'm good with that at his price tag. The only comparable around is Brandon Rutley when you're looking at price and uh, where they are in the depth chart. As long as he's at the top of their depth chart, he's in my lineup for $5,300. It's one of the easiest decisions I make. When it comes to running backs, because the top ones are so expensive.
0: I don't know if I agree here, because and I have a lot of faith in Kadim Carey as a player. He looks explosive. He's an exciting player to watch. Uh, I'm not certain of the Stamps' ground game right now. Pat mentioned the the pass to run ratio last week. It wasn't good. If you're if you're a Stampeders running back or you want a Stampeders running back in your fantasy lineup, by the way, on the season, Calgary eighth in the CFL in rushing yards. 8th in the CFL in rushing attempts, uh, 3rd last in average yards per attempt, uh, and 3rd last in total rushing touchdowns at 8. Those are not good numbers. I don't know what's happening. That's very uncharacteristic for a Calgary Stampeders team, and I don't think it's the guy in the backfield. I don't know if it's the O-line. I know for a time, Bo Mitchell was out and Nick Arbuckle was in, and that could have had an, an impact. But it seems like they're just not getting the volume that we're accustomed to for Peters running back. And when you have Brandon Rutley at his price, yeah, that's that's a little more appealing to me uh, as your RB2. Uh, still think that Moses Madhu bounces back with a good game. He get, the way he gets targeted from Jonathan Jennings makes him appealing to me. Uh, and then you're looking at the upper-tier running backs. I, I love Andrew Harris this week. I love William Stanback again. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have Kadim Carey in my lineup right now. So... Um, I. This, this sort of transitions us to that next topic about the Stamps receivers, but in a matchup against the Argos, I'm probably a lot more likely to go all in on those one of those two big-name pass catchers there.
2: Well, yeah, kind of the opposite problem. Reggie Bagleton still sixth in most chosen receivers, despite a salary of $11,300. I have tried to fit him in my lineup this week, and I can't unless I don't take a defense, and I'd like to take a defense. So are you surprised he's still being picked this often? Because that is a hefty price tag.
1: But, I mean, you take a look at the production. Like, last year, the guy that we all, you know, we talked about a lot at his price tag was Mike Riley. And the reason that you could uh, get around putting him in your lineup even when he was at $14,000 is because you're like, ah, you know what, you're pretty pretty confident he can get you 30 points. Well – you're pretty confident Bagleton can get you in the 20-point range every single week. And, you know, if he has a really good game, that 20-point that range is kind of the floor right now. If he has a really good game, then you're talking about him being in the 35 and up range. So I get it. I get it. And this matchup is one that I look at and say, yeah, I can understand why people are hard on Stampeders receivers. Like, you, you talk about Eric Rogers, you talk about Reggie Bagleton. I get it. I get it, because this this Argos team can be picked on at times. So, yeah, I'm I, I don't. I'm not going with it at 11300 That's a little too pricey for me, but I
0: understand if others are. That's for sure. Well, the Argos have yet to prove they can shut down a top receiver. So you have to think, out of Reggie Bagleton and Eric Rodgers, uh, there's a good chance both those guys go off. In fact, I really like Josh Huff in my lineup again. I hyped him up last week. Uh, he didn't have a big week. Uh, for the Stampeders and their win over Hamilton. But he did just fine for a $2,500 player. And there's a good chance against that Argo secondary. I'm looking to go with Josh Huff and either Reggie Bagleton or Eric Rogers. So the thing for me with Bagleton, it's the targets. It still is. Uh, four straight games of nine or more targets. I love that. Bowe's throwing to him all the time. Uh, and the floor there for Bagleton over his last four games is 88 yards and a touchdown. And that was when he was targeted 15 times. So not only is he getting targeted a lot, but he's converting a very high percentage of those targets and making a lot of production out of it. So still for me, again, I said it last week, pound for pound, dollar for dollar, the best receiver in CFL fantasy. And even at this price tag, I think he's a much less riskier option than Eric Rodgers, who tends to have a bit of a dud every so often.
2: Yeah, he has had more. I, I'm leaning more Rogers this week because he's got just as high a ceiling, if not higher. Um, a bit of a lower floor, but $3,000 cheaper. And that can go a long way in this game. Eric Rogers had the better week last week by about 10 points. It's not like Bo's not looking his way. And like you said, Toronto hasn't figured out really how to defend this year.
0: The thing about Eric Rogers that stood out to me, and I like this, was after the Stamps won, Bo Levi Mitchell in the locker room, he kind of said, he mentioned how he went went up to Eric Rodgers before the game and said something along the lines of, man, we're going to get you like 15 targets this game or something crazy like that. Uh, And the reason was, in Bo's words after the game, he said he felt like Rodgers was being a little bit disrespected as not a top-tier receiver. So... Yeah, Bo Levi-Mitchell has a ton of trust in Eric Rogers, and I think that shows not just on the field, but in Bo Levi-Mitchell's words. So uh, to me, that, if you're thinking about this from a fantasy perspective, I think that matters.
1: And the other thing to remember is, you go take a look at the way that that game played out. Who did Bo Levi-Mitchell go to when they needed a touchdown, and you know they were flirting with the red zone? It was right to Eric Rogers, and with Bo back, it wasn't quite the same when Arbuckle was in, but with Bo back... When the Stamps are near the end zone, no disrespect to Bagleton, I still think Rodgers is the number one target when it comes to end zone looks. And that obviously has a ton of value
0: in fantasy, too. He's number one, leads the CFL. Touchdown machine.
2: All right, Jeff, you teased this at the beginning, but Dane Evans had a pretty good game last week. Actually, he's completed 84% of his passes dating back to second half on Labor Day. Last week he did it on the road against the Stamp. So has he turned a corner? I was pretty okay with his production last week. He came up with about seventeen points, at uh, just over six thousand dollars.
0: Anna's crystal ball was working last week. That's all I know.
2: I mean, seventeen points isn't crazy, but it it was still bow production at three thousand dollars cheaper. So I'll take that.
0: It was it was good production, and I think it goes beyond his fantasy production. He just looks like a good quarterback right now. I don't know what happened, but there was something on Labor Day. And I was at that game between the Ticats and the Argos. It was a beautiful day. At Tim Hortons Field, uh, they even set an attendance record that day. But there were some fans in the section; they were starting to boo Dane Evans in the section I was sitting in in that first half. He was getting sacked a bunch of times. Uh, he threw a couple of picks. The Argos were up double digits at halftime on Labor Day. Um, the fans just wanted to go to that game and chant "Argos suck" all day, and you know, get a one-sided victory and enjoy the rivalry win. And they're, they're, the Argos were kind of spoiling the party. Well. The opinion on Dane Evans changed pretty quickly in that game, and he hasn't looked back ever since because he completed, what, 19 passes in a row in that second half? And then another really big performance, high-efficiency performance, uh, again against uh, the Calgary Stampeders, a really good defense last week to me, something there has changed with Dane Evans. He's playing with confidence. Uh, he's spreading the ball around. Uh, both Brandon Banks and Braylon Addison are doing a ton, and I think it's time to jump on that Dane Evans bandwagon.
1: He's really attractive each and every week right now, especially at that salary. Like When you're talking about a quarterback who's coming off a week like that at 6500 I can I can get behind that. And I'm really intrigued by this matchup. Edmonton coming off a bye week. We don't know what's happening with Edmonton's quarterback. More on that later, but Edmonton has been a very, very good team defending the pass. They have not had a lot of big-time games from opposing quarterbacks. I'm I'm really interested in this one because I this is a big game for the Eskimos. They've lost 3 in a row. They haven't looked all that good in these losses. They're coming off a bye week. They've had an extra week to prepare. I don't know if I'm as in love with the play for Evans this week. He's not in my lineup this week. But I think going forward, he's definitely a guy that each and every week deserves the same type of consideration that a lot of other guys get. I, I do agree with you there that he is, he's really started to turn a corner and put himself in the mix of, of being a viable quarterback in this league.
2: Evan's not in my lineup this week either, even though he was last week. Again, matchup reasons. But a guy who's been in my lineup pretty much locked in there for at least a month is Braylon Addison. Had another really decent game, 23 points last week. Uh, But that comes with a $1,500 price raise. He's up over $9,000 now. Don't love the matchup. Does that affect your opinion on him, or is it more whether Luke Tasker is close to coming back or how the Cats play their run game.
0: To me, it's all about Luke Tasker because without Luke Tasker and with that sort of dual uh, back system that they've had um, between Jackson Bennett and Anthony Coombs, I don't know if Tyrell Sutton gets in there at some point, but Braylon Addison has sort of been in the middle of everything in that Cats offense, getting the ball on carries uh, getting every first look it seems from Dane Evans those two clearly have the best chemistry and I don't think a matchup against Edmonton is that scary lately Edmonton's secondary has been a bit vulnerable uh, of late they've got that great defensive line but if Dane Evans is forced to get the ball out quickly especially on hot reads I think the chemistry between him and him and Braylon Addison is going to lead to a really big game so if Tasker's back I think it changes a little bit I think that's more of a three-headed monster, and he loses he loses some of those targets. But without Luke Tasker, I, I really feel good about Braylon Addison.
1: Well, the thing the thing right now about Addison is that for the longest time, he's been locked into my lineup. He's been like the first guy that I've put in my lineup for the last I want to say six or seven weeks that Hamilton's been playing, but for the first time all season he's now being treated like the receiver that he should be in terms of how much he costs. He's finally into that 9000 plus range. Like as of a few weeks ago he was still hovering below 7000. He's up to 9200 this week. So that changes my feel on it a little bit it doesn't lock him in but he's still a great play even this week against Edmonton I'm not as down on the Eskimos defensively maybe as you are Jeff but still even even with that being said Addison's a viable play each and every week and and I'm with you the Tasker thing Luke Tasker's role really impacts the whole thing because now all of a sudden PPR league Tasker's that guy who's getting the second down looks and you know how much quarterbacks trust a sure-handed guy like him but If Tasker doesn't play, Addison is in the mix, has to be in the mix for a must-start every week, regardless of the matchup.
0: Let me tell you this before we move on. Let me tell you this. When I sit down to watch the games and I look at the lineups and I don't have Braylon Addison in the lineup, and Hannah has Braylon Addison in the lineup, and Pat has Braylon Addison in the lineup, and I believe this happened last weekend, I'm pretty scared. I'm thinking, okay, here we go, because here's a target. Here's another target. Braylon Addison, six straight weeks of nine or more targets. Nine, nine, 10, 12, 12, and nine. That is unbelievable. There is no player in the CFL. We even talked about Reggie Bagleton. There's no player in the CFL right now being targeted like Braylon Addison. So he's the go-to guy right now. It's it's Braylon Addison, and he's he's probably going to be worth that price tag. That's all I'm going to say about that.
2: I mean I'd love to lock all of these guys into my lineup, but they're getting to the point where they're all so expensive. You gotta make some concessions somewhere, right?
0: That's true. We can't have every top star in our lineup. We can't we can't we somehow can't fit Reggie Bagleton and Braylon Addison under the cap. It's not it's probably unlikely.
2: The totals though, that would be nice. Um, Trevor Harris left with an injury in week thirteen, had the bye last week. Not sure if he's in this week. If Trevor Harris can't play, is there any way you go with Logan Kilgore at $5,000? It's the cheapest that a quarterback could possibly be set at. 5,000 is the floor.
1: Jeff, this is your this is your baby. This is a contrarian play. Nobody's going to be going Logan Kilgore this week. You Here's
2: your you move. almost
0: have to use you, you have to start him, right? Have to. Have to. I mean, come on. He's in my lineup right now as we speak. Pat, how did you know this? I didn't even tell you this off mic. Logan Kilgore, starting quarterback right now in the lineup. Look, I, here's here's the thing for me. And eh, it might not be the most popular opinion, but Jason Moss, his offenses are really good. And this is not to take away credit from, my, from Mike Riley. This is not to take away credit from Trevor Harris. They're both great quarterbacks. But there is an effect that Jason Moss has on an offense that tends to inflate numbers. Mike Riley has never had better numbers in his entire career than when he threw passes with Jason Moss as his offensive coordinator. Everywhere Jason Moss has gone, his quarterbacks have been really successful, whether it was Toronto with Ricky Ray, Ottawa, when the when the Red Blacks had a top-notch offense there. I believe he was there at the same time as Henry Burris. Jason Moss gets big numbers out of these guys. And I'm not surprised Logan Kilgore operated at a 75% efficiency rating last weekend. Because it's a quarterback-friendly system. It involves a lot of short passes to really good playmakers. And it puts the pivots in position to rack up a lot of yards without making life miserable for them. You don't see very many games with Eskimos quarterbacks under 70%. It just doesn't happen. So for that reason... I'm not saying Logan Kilgore's got to go out there and, and scorch earth, you know. It, it doesn't have to be a 30-point game. At $5,000, it's the same thing we are talking about with Dane Evans. But I think that Logan Kilgore can operate efficiently enough with the pass catchers he has there, a very talented group of receivers. Yeah, I think he can give me 15 to 20 points. I'm pretty confident in that.
1: I actually, I, I, I was poking fun at you, but... I am heavily considering putting him in this week cuz I liked I liked a lot of what I saw from him in that Labor Day rematch against Calgary. He comes in partway through He only throws seven incomplete passes. I know his biggest mistake ended up going for six points the other way, and that that stings, but he got you a rushing touchdown, and I think that that makes him attractive, the fact that just like Harris, they'll keep the ball in his hands if they're right in the shadow of the end zone. He's actually a really intriguing play, and to add on to your point about Jason Moss and how he works his offenses, He's also had an extra week to prepare. They're coming off a bye, and it's not like he's going up against, it's not like he's coming off a game against a a poor defense and now going up against a good one. Both Calgary and Hamilton are very strong defensively, and Kilgore was able to put up decent numbers and move the ball effectively against the Stamps. $5,000. Yeah, maybe it's a contrarian play, but I don't know. I'm thinking about doing it. Jeff's already done it, so that's two-thirds of us potentially putting a uh, a brand-new
2: starting quarterback in
0: our lineup. Hannah, have we convinced you?
2: You have to think about it. You have not convinced me yet, but you have to think about it, right? If you want Reggie Biggleton, this is how you fit it in. $5,000 is the price of most teams' third-string quarterback right now, so the fact that he's listed at $5,000 is pretty surprising, You might want to jump at that while it's still that low. It's crazy to me.
0: Logan Kilgore, by the way, was the top prospect in Toronto when the Argos uh, had moved on from Trevor Harris to keep Ricky Ray. I do believe that Logan Kilgore was their quarterback of the future. They were very high on him. Uh, He's got a lot of talent. Interesting story, he was out of football entirely last year. When he signed as a backup with the Eskimos to be the primary backup to Trevor Harris, that raised a few eyebrows, but... He does have the pass. He's worked uh, in, in that Jason Moss type of offense before, uh, thrown a lot of interceptions, two touchdowns, 10 interceptions in 2016 with the Argos, uh, and, and we saw last week the pick six. So uh, maybe, maybe you start to think about that cat's defense this week as well. But, uh, no, I, I feel pretty confident that Logan Kilgore is going to put up enough, uh, good enough numbers uh, to be worth a flyer at $5,000.
2: Yeah, not hard enough to put a total you can be okay with at five grand. Uh, let's move to the Saturday game, starting off with Winnipeg in Montreal. And he's back. Andrew Harris, done serving his two game suspension. The team was on the bye last week. Are you ready to plug him in as your RB1? Once again, the most expensive running back in the game at just under $11,000.
1: He'll be revitalized. He'll be rested. I mean... He's Andrew Harris. He's he's you have to you have to at the very least think about putting him in each and every week. Again, the price tag is a little too prohibitive for me, but that's just me. If you if you are look, everybody's got different philosophies about how they go about this thing, and if you're okay spending twelve thousand dollars on one player, I I'm not going to begrudge you for it. Now, Montreal's been much better defensively of late, so I don't think this is the same team that you just trounce all over, and they've actually been pretty good all year in defending the run. That being said, Andrew Harris is a special player. We all know what he can do in both facets of the offense, passing and running the ball. It's also his first game back. I think he's going to be uh, pretty fired up. I know he was unhappy about the suspension. So I, I think you're going to have an Andrew Harris with a chip on his shoulder. If, if, even if you're not one of those people that spends a lot on running backs, maybe this is the week for you because I do think a motivated and slightly annoyed Andrew Harris is pretty dangerous.
0: You're talking about an eleven thousand dollar running back. These players, once you're getting over ten grand, you're only fitting one of those guys into your lineup unless you're leaving out a starter somewhere. So, if you want Reggie Bagleton or, or Eric Rogers uh, or any of these high-priced players, uh, you can forget about it. If you want Andrew Harris, but with that said, uh, if he's the guy you want to send your team around, heck, you want to you want to team him up with Chris Streveler and get that get in on that Bombers ground game, I, I could see that paying off. I mean, I, I agree with you, Pat. I think Andrew Harris is definitely going to have a chip on his shoulder. Uh, this is going to be a, a very emotional game for Andrew Harris. I think he was hurt by what happened. I think he really does believe uh, that, that he was innocent in all this. And He's going to take the league by storm in the second half of the season. He's got a little bit of rest in those legs now. I know you guys like to poke fun at me for, for, talk, for talking about his age, but two weeks off, can't hurt, can't hurt, get, get him healthy, get him fresh. And, yeah, I think Andrew Harris is going to have a really big day against the Montreal Alouettes, and at that, at that salary, it just comes down to roster construction and whether you can make it work.
2: Yeah, motivated Andrew Harris is a a scary thing. I'm going to try, but he's not currently in my lineup. A guy who is currently in my lineup, and I'm kind of surprised to say, is Chris Strebler. In his three starts, averaged only 145 passing yards per game, but he can run. Bombers are 2-1 and uh, under his guidance, but is this successful – In the fantasy game, he's looked pretty good fantasy-wise. He had the top score in the game in week 13.
1: Even when he hasn't been great, so he what, he put up like almost 35 points in the game against Saskatchewan in the, bound, in, the, in the Labor Day rematch in the Banjo Bowl. But even even when he hasn't had great games, I mean, we're still talking about him in the 19 to 20 point range in the two games prior. I know that you go and you take a look at the game log and you see fantasy points just under the passing yards and the, and the passing points you are like, oh, that's not very good against Saskatchewan and Edmonton. But then you have to factor in, he runs for touchdowns and he runs the ball a lot. So... If you can if you can get Twenty points from Chris Streveler at seventy five hundred dollars. I can I can see why you'd put him in. I mean, there's there's some really interesting quarterback plays this week. Dane Evans is interesting. He's affordable. We just talked about Kilgore, and I think Streveler's is a really intriguing play too. It's it's a this is one of the hardest weeks in a good way to set my lineup because I really have a lot of different ways I could go. And, and Streveler is definitely one of those guys who's playing into that.
0: Three weeks since becoming a starter, nineteen point one in his first game, eighteen point nine following that and 34.4 points uh, in his most previous game a blowout win over the Riders Uh, obviously the floor is quite good and the ceiling if he gets running he's the goal line guy as well I I don't think there's much risk here I I really don't I think Chris Streffler is a really solid play uh, and probably the safest play if you had to pick one at quarterback this week
2: What about Winnipeg's defense? They're third best in terms of yards allowed, but a tougher matchup than Vernon Adams Jr. is used to. Uh, He's looked good so far with every test he's faced, but do you avoid this on the Montreal side because Winnipeg's defense has been so strong overall?
1: There's a a Winnipeg defense that has been ridiculously good in stopping the run and it's not like they've been poor uh defending the pass but I mean the the hallmark of this team is the fact that they allow less than 70 yards a game on the ground like it's stupid every week it seems like you just don't run on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and that that front four and those group of linebackers are so good that and and they're such sure tacklers that it's just so hard to rack up yards on them now I, I don't think that uh this is a team that struggles in the backfield or struggles to get pressure on the quarterback it's just not their same calling card now Vernon Adams is is a unique player because he's not a pure passer as much as he's improved significantly in that regard and and he he obviously gives you a little bit in terms of the, the big playability with his feet. But what he's been able to do with Eugene Lewis, what he's been able to do with Quan Bray and Devere Posey, I I, I actually don't think this is a, a matchup to avoid. I, I don't know if I'm loving William Stanback in this game at his price against the Bombers. But if you're thinking quarterback or if you're thinking Montreal receivers, now I, don't, I don't think you should shy away from him. If you really like one of those guys or are in love with a price tag, I don't think you should
0: stay away from it. That's for sure. Vernon Adams Jr. has been the real deal this year. And even when I've doubted him at times with the accuracy against tougher opponents, I've shied away. The salary is going up. He's been good even against the toughest of opponents, averaging 25.6 fantasy points per game uh, dating back to week four. Uh, that was after his worst start, which was 13 points. Uh, he's been really solid, uh, pretty much uh, a floor of 17 points with a ceiling of 37 points. He's hit that 30-point mark twice. So you can't argue with production. He runs a lot. Uh, he's the goal-line quarterback there, and on a Montreal team that, like Pat said, it you almost, you almost like taking quarterbacks against Winnipeg because you can't run against the Bombers. So it's going to be up to Vernon Adams Jr. to get the job done. If you've got the money to, to really spend at the quarterback position week, yeah, I think it's a good week to take Vernon Adams.
2: So nobody's going near Standback, back, hey? Because his price, 7600 pretty cheap for a guy who's so effective. But again, Pat, you said it. That defense is too good to start a running back against them, no matter who it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to the if you if if you want to if you want to play against the odds like that those we're now talking about twelve games in the books. This is not a small sample size for the Bombers defense, and they've allowed six rushing touchdowns, and they're allowing less than sixty-eight yards per game on the ground. It just it's. If you if you love that price tag and you think Standback is is that good a running back that it's not going to be a worry, then I guess. For me though, I'm not going to play against those odds. I think the odds favor uh, the Bombers and what they've been able to do against opposing running running offenses all year long.
2: Last game of the weekend, a rematch between BC and Ottawa. This one, an evening game in Ottawa. Should we expect a similar result from this one? It can be tough to win back-to-back games like that.
1: I think that there's I think there's always a little bit of risk in that regard because you're going to have an Ottawa team that is really frustrated about what happened. I think that Jonathan Jennings is pretty frustrated about the way his return to Vancouver went. And it's always tough to dominate a team a second time around. It's not out of the question, but you know, a lot of football players will talk about this. When you play back-to-back and you have a blowout and you do things, so, many, so many things successful in one week, It's like, okay, well, what do we do to change the next week? Whereas the other team is game planning specifically so the things that happened against them the week before don't happen this time around, and it's the same team. So I'm, again, I'm going to go back to being the the odds, man. Odds of that game playing out the way it did and being a straight-up blowout for the Lions, I don't see it. However, the caveat to that is I think Ottawa can be a whole lot more dynamic offensively and I think there's a lot of potential for points in this game because I still don't trust either of these defenses uh, overly much. So I, I, I don't think it's going to be a BC blowout, but I do think there's some fantasy options to take a look at because I think that there's going to be some points in this game.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I think history shows that you're, you're not likely to see a complete repeat. In fact, a lot of times you're going to see a split in that home-and-home. And And, and I think Ottawa's still got some fight. I I do. I think the players still uh, respect Rick Campbell. They still want to play for Rick Campbell. Times have been tough for them. Uh, They've lost a whole lot of games of late. But I don't think this is a case where the players have given up on the coach. I I really don't. I, I truly believe that this team still has some fight in it. And I know that we want to really target the Ottawa Red Blacks in fantasy right now. But I think... I think there are going to be some points in this game, and I think that Ottawa's offense has to bounce back. You talk about Brad Sinopoli getting back in the lineup. Um, I I like that. I like Moses Madu uh, and and what he's done, especially as a receiver out of the backfield. They're using him a lot. Uh, I I like Nate Bahar as an up-and-coming receiver who's finally getting an opportunity to play. I think there's going to be a hunger there, and I think Ottawa's offense bounces back in this game.
2: I'll tell you, the only player or one I have from this game in my lineup is that Lions defense again. Jeff, you were right about them last week. They pulled up, what, 14, 15 points? I don't think they're going to do that again, but I think they can get that base of 7 or 8. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. Uh, I'm still on that that Lions defense, I think. Are you looking at them?
0: Yeah, they're in my lineup right now just because – Jonathan Jennings has proven susceptible to turning the ball over and there was a pick six last week that ended up being called back Hannah imagine our scores from the Lions defense at that TJ Lee interception stood I was watching that game live on TV and thinking man you know and it was an offside it was I can't remember who it was if it was Sean Lemon or someone had like the tip of a shoelace uh, over that one-yard restricted zone, and they called him for offside. It had nothing to do with the interception itself, but I, I still think there's a little bit of a lack of cohesion with that Ottawa offense, and I think, I do think Ottawa's offense, like I said, will be better, but yeah, you've got the potential for some really big plays, and at $3,200, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the, the worst-case scenario is minus four. I don't see that happening. I think BC's defense is good for at least five or six this week.
2: All right, Mike Riley, the top-scoring player in fantasy last week. It's been a long time since we've been able to say that. We said it a lot last year, but in the two games since the Lions switched O-line coaches, Mike Riley's been sacked just twice. That was normally, you know, a quarter for him. A half was like four sacks. Are you more optimistic about this offense, figuring things out, or was it just, you know, them playing a Red Blacks team?
1: Maybe the uh, maybe the change at O line coach uh, needs to be given a little bit more credit than perhaps we were thinking to begin with, but. Um I do think part of it was the opponent for BC. Uh, I do think part of it was the fact they were going up against the Red Blacks. I mean, look, both the prior one-loss teams have gotten to two wins in recent weeks playing the Red Blacks. First it was Toronto, and now it's the BC Lions. So I do think there's something to the opposition in that regard. The Red Blacks are really struggling right now. However, uh, that being said, when you take a look at Mike Riley and the capability that he's got, and The look, we know that he can go off for a huge game. Still, this is not the struggles for BC and the struggles for Riley this year are not because he's forgotten how to play the game or or can't be a good quarterback anymore. It's more just things around him and the entire scheme for BC hasn't worked on a consistent basis. So, if there's a week to play Mike Riley, when you take a look at him at ninety five hundred dollars and going up against Ottawa, this is another good week to do it. I've I've thought I've thought heavily about putting him in my lineup too. I am so confused about who to put in at quarterback this week I it's it's one of the it's one of the most difficult weeks all year long because you can make a really good argument for so many guys and and definitely Mike Riley's one of them again
0: I think the only quarterback that I'm a complete no on this week uh, just based off what happened last week would be Jonathan Jennings I think I think of the eight starters that's the only one I would advise people to stay away from at this time
2: All right, folks, we made it to our three-minute warning.
1: Three-minute
0: warning now,
1: or is it? It is the warning.
2: This is where we make our money picks, our locks of the week. Starting with the money pick, this is a player who is $3,500 or less. Turns out they're pretty hard to find. Uh, Pat, would you like to start us off?
1: Yeah, one of the guys that can really help you with getting some of those bigger salaries in your lineup would be Chris Matthews he's coming in at 2925 in week 15 so under $3000 Caught a big pass last week he went uh, went up and got a forty two yarder now that was his only catch, but the fact that he was able to haul in that type of that type of reception and the fact that you know he he was at the very least targeted in that offense for Montreal and against a pretty good rider's defense gives me hope that he can continue to be worked in more so uh, we've been talking about Matthews since the very beginning of the season. Now he's on his second team. But under $3,000, I, I, and especially going up against his former team,
0: I think, there's, uh, I think there's some intrigue there. So I'll go Chris Matthews. Deron Carter is my money pick for possibly the last time because either – He's just not going to put up the numbers, or the salary's going to go up a bit. He's right around that thirty-five hundred dollar range. Here are some notes on Deron Carter: twelfth in the CFL on targets. That's pretty good, uh, but it goes downhill from there. Eighteenth in catches, twenty-fifth in yards in the whole CFL. So that means he's not turning targets into production. That's a really bad sign for a receiver. He broke out of that funk a little bit last week against Ottawa. First touchdown of the season. I'm hoping he can carry a bit of that momentum forward. $3,500 with a good matchup against the Red Blacks. I could trust him one more week. I could say, you know what? This is, this is it. This is the ultimatum. One more time. Let's see what you got, Duron. Give me another touchdown.
2: I am going to put together a montage of all of the times that you said, this is the last time <laughs> I'm putting Duron Carter in my lineup oh, or making him my money pick.
0: How many times is that this season now that he's been my money pick?
2: Three times. And I'm and pretty sure once. each time you say it's your last time.
0: And he was a lock. I think he was my lock of the week back in week one or something like that as well. So you,
2: he sure was. Yep. So you're absolutely out of control on the Duron Carter front. But for the last time, Jeff, going with Duron Carter. Okay, my money pick is $3,522. It's Tavon Smith. He normally hovers around three or four receptions. Last week, just one, but it was a touchdown reception. At 3,500, I think there's potential for this guy to come out and get you 15, 20 points. uh, But probably don't bet on it. That's why he's just a money pick. If you've got a bit of extra cash, you might think about throwing in Tavon Smith. Uh, Let's go to lock of the week. This guy will be in our lineup. Jeff, who are you locking in this week?
0: So many high-priced receivers that I like this week, that I like that I love. It's so hard for me to lock in on one of these guys. But Mike Riley wasn't sacked once last week, and Brian Burnham was the benefactor. That, that auto was secondary. It's been pretty soft of late. Brian Burnham's my lock this week. I think Mike Riley and Burnham are going to carve that defense up once again, and I thought Burnham could have had an even better game uh, than he did last week against the Red Blacks. So, Brian Burnham, my lock of the week. Jeff Creaver going with
1: two BC Lions for his three-minute warning picks. I like it. Uh, I'm going with ABC Lion for my money pick, though. Brandon Rutley just keeps on getting better. Career high, 111 yards against Ottawa. He's going up against the same team once again. Uh, He's still on top of the depth chart. So, yeah, I really like the Brandon Rutley play right now. This guy is talented. He is fast. He's dynamic. And and he's given the BC Lions something that they haven't had a lot of this year. And that is a a really consistent, dynamic running attack. So, uh, the, the status of John White will obviously affect this. And it's something to keep an eye on. But... I really like to play at Brandon Rutley, and I think that uh, he's got the potential to have himself another really nice week this week.
2: All right, my lock this week is a player that I surprisingly have not taken yet this year. And I'm with Jeff. I want all of the high-priced receivers this week, but I just can't swing a guy over $10,000. So I'm going to lock in Eric Rogers. I want to get in on that... that uh, parade of receivers who can put up 30 40 points potentially but I want to do it at a price of 8300 and up against the Argos I think we're looking at another big week for uh, Calgary receivers so Eric Rogers he will be in my lineup
1: he was uh, somebody's lock of the week last week and had himself a pretty good week I'm not going to say who but (laughs) it's definitely somebody's Hmm. Yeah, I got. I got, uh, I got read, no. I got no readjust comment. Readjust my I shoulder got, after patting myself on the back. Hold yeah. on a second.
0: <laughs> yeah, no comments. No comment from me on that one. <laughs> Pat doesn't need his tires pumped. He's got that. He's got that taken oh. care of. All right, once in
1: a while, it feels okay. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's a uh, that's a nice wrap. Unless Jeff
0: has any final words for us. I got nothing this week. It's. Uh, what? I think I've said. I think I've said enough today. I, I, I think I feel like there was a part of the podcast where I just spoke for about five minutes straight, and uh, I'm ready to call it a night. Wow. Ever since I, I've started
1: kind of remembering to give you the last word, you don't have anything. It's I very, said something it's, last uh, week.
0: Sorry. I, had, I, I had something last week. Uh, this week I'm good. I, I'm. I'm uh, and you know what when you're in last when you're in last place and 100 points back you can't uh, you can't do as much talking the, the confidence isn't there Uh, quite as much as it once was
1: still plenty of time left for you my friend we're only at week 15 there's lots of football left to be played lots of CFL fantasy left to be played but that'll do it for the week 15 edition of the CFL fantasy podcast with uh, your friends from across
0: the country see who the top projected players are this week on CFL.ca Daily Roto has all of your lineup tools to get you set Uh, don't take that zero don't get injured players in your lineup also The latest from around the league with The Waggle, presented by Sport Clips. David Sanchez, Donovan Bennett. They'll hook you up with all that cool knowledge uh, because they got knowledge for days. They know everything. They're getting you ready for week 15, which is week 15. We're getting there. The the marathon, uh, we're getting through it.
2: And don't forget to subscribe and listen to us every week. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Or you can listen to us right on CFL.ca.
1: That does it for this week's CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by our friends at Leo Vegas. Four games this week starting Friday in Toronto, ending Saturday night in Ottawa. Enjoy the games. Good luck for Hannah Nordman on Twitter at HL Nordman and Jeff Creever on Twitter at Jeff Creever. My name is Pat Steinberg at Fan960 Steinberg. Good luck. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you in week 60.